My name is Victor Kubik. Welcome to Inside United. Today, we have a special guest. His name is Winston Snyder. Winston Snyder is a person whose family I have known for 40 years or so. His father owned him from Pasadena days. He's here at ABC, and that's one reason why we're doing it here, because he's an ABC student, but more than that, because Winston has had some experiences in other parts of the world that I'd like to share with you. So welcome, Winston. Mr. Kubik, it's a privilege to be here. Well, it's a privilege to have you here, and I know that it would be uh, very interesting for us to hear. Now, you're at ABC, right? Yes, sir. And uh, what about ABC? Give me 25 words or more <laughs> about your experience here. Uh, it's been an incredible program. Uh, yeah. Biblically founded, really helping mm -hmm. us in this time, especially draw near to God mm -hmm. and really reaffirm our foundation as Christians mm -hmm. in going out in the world and being servants in all aspects to everybody. Well, I know that that has been the wording of many of the students, you know, feeling that they have really benefited in ways that they didn't maybe even realize yes. at first. Yes. But one thing I would do want to talk to you about, Winston, is something that's very hot in the news right now, and that is Ukraine. You know, today is April 11th, and we're into five weeks or more now of the horrific war in Ukraine. It's tearing all of us apart. The last two podcasts I've done here have been about Ukraine, and you know, you know that I'm Ukrainian. Yes. But the thing I want to share with our audience is that Winston was a volunteer worker for a project in Western Ukraine. Yes. That was part of LifeNet's projects. We had we worked with street children, and we started a street children program in the year 2001, which is now 21 years ago, and uh, that's a story of its own. Right. But after a number of we. It was founded around a mission, uh, around a church and a mission there that was called Light of Love. And it was uh, called Light of Love Christian Brotherhood. Yes. And so we helped these people. We had others, supporters, you know, for the program to help street children. It was run by a pastor and his wife. They were, el they were older people. They weren't able to have <clears throat> children of their own, but they took in children and took a special interest in the children in their community, especially children who came from difficult families. Sometimes they were orphans, sometimes they were street kids, and we have gotten also attached to these people. But what we did was we started a program of teaching English as a second language. We wanted something that might be interesting to them. So at this uh, center or at this soup kitchen, which, which it was, you know, where they fed these kids, they educated them. They had all kinds of different instruction. We offered to teach English. Well, in the year 2013, Winston was one of the volunteers. And it was very interesting to us because I've known his family, and I just wanted him to share some of his experiences for this reason, is that I'd like him to connect it with what's happening in Ukraine and his um, experiences there. I might add too here, I know I'm doing a lot of the talking here <laughs> up front, but I just wanted to say this, is that uh, uh, we have been working in this area right now too. It is actually one of the safer areas in Ukraine. It's very close to the border. It's only about an hour and a half from Hungary, uh, two hours from Slovakia, uh, three hours from Poland. And so many refugees come to this safer part of Ukraine to be ferried out to the border to go on to other countries in Europe. But let's now hear from Winston. Winston, how did you become uh, involved with our work in Ukraine? 
from a very early age, my mother and father were always really involved with these projects that you've just outlined. Uh, for beginning of my memory, in 2006, we helped supply uh, packaged medical supplies to a rehabilitation center on the opposite side of Ukraine. And that was my first entryway into understanding what was how we were helping people far away mm -hmm. from where I was back in Indiana. Um, if we came to my sister, uh, she was 16 years old, where she went out and traveled uh, and was able to meet and be a servant to these uh, brethren. And years about when I came of age at 16, I was seriously contemplating of going about to Ukraine. Prior, in, I started in 2012 when I started thinking about it. And my father and mother said, well, this is a great opportunity that really like no other, that may never come again in your life, that you'll cherish forever if you go and do this. Mm -hmm. I said, absolutely. And so from that moment on, we began planning and putting together how to go about to Ukraine. And so in the summer of 2013, we went from New York to Frankfurt, Germany, to Hungary, Budapest, by train then to Kiev. And then we were picked up uh, by the brethren from Vinogrov. And we went down to the little village of Vinogrov, which is, again, on the western side of Ukraine, right by the border. Mm -hmm. It was a real safe haven for a lot of these children. It was removed from the world, it felt like. It was like going back in time 40 years. A lot had not been developed. It was very much left by the USSR, of what had been mm -hmm. the Slavic bloc country. Mm -hmm. And the opportunity just to being there and changed my whole perspective from seeing these children who wanted to learn English, they wanted to learn about Western civilization, Christianity, and again, this soup kitchen was a safe haven for them. Mm -hmm. Many of their parents had been either working in Kiev 200 miles away or they had been substance abusers or they even weren't there. And so this experience mm -hmm. in two weeks, just being with children from 14, uh, 4 to 18 was incredible. They mm -hmm. were just uh, a real blessing to be in. It was really humbling just to interact with them. We uh, went into the Tisar River with them, and jumped <laughs> off trees and into the river and and then we went back again to play soccer with them in the fields with cows and it was, it was a great distraction for them and ultimately it was a humbling learning experience about how to enjoy the little things that we have how did uh, this affect the way you thought about life was this your first big overseas trip yes this was my first big overseas trip into europe in that capacity i've been to london in 2011 but that was a incredibly different environment that was a a much more developed city and society. What was going on in Ukraine, it was, had never really recovered from the Soviet era. Before Soviets came into Ukraine, it was a wine country. It was, Vinogrov was in between the plains and the mountains. Mm -hmm. And the river would flow down from the mountains and go into the Tisar River and empty out into the Crimea. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a very agricultural town. It was uh, very again, once again, step a step back in time to be revisiting a place not like no other. I mean, ev and a lot of these children were in poverty, but you wouldn't mm -hmm. think it because they always kept themselves at the best they could clean and uh, the best of uh, wardrobe and clothing, what have you. But you would be surprised to know where they would come from mm -hmm. to the point where we were at this soup kitchen. You think the world was dandy and fine. 
But in reality, they were coming from harder lives than I'd ever experienced in my mm-hmm. own life. The kids were really earnest in wanting to learn all things. Again, this was a huge escape for them from their lives. And so when it came to learning about America or when it came to learning about the rest of the world, they had a really great attention for that. And then the Christian aspect, too, of how to have a godly life, of how to be an example. They didn't have that very prominent in their lives. But what we try to do is just to be compassionate, understanding, listening, and then at the same time go through very basic good morals mm-hmm. that stem from Christ. And with that alone, they they were already kind of ahead of us in some ways mm-hmm. because they didn't want to return to the life that they had gone home to so frequently. Or right. So, they, they, they grew up in abusive situations, which yes. were as a result of doing wrong things morally. Yes. So you not only taught English, but you taught Bible too? Primarily some basic Christian values. Mm -hmm. And when it came near to the Sabbath, which we kept, we came on a Sunday, we got to keep the Sabbath once with them. But passing that, the pastor and the blind director of the orphanage was very, again, a strict fellow about it. And many kids, especially the younger kids, were interested in it. The older kids who were a little more stubborn said, oh, well, this is not quite what I'm thinking about the world and the future, but slowly but surely, the more time we spent with even the older teens, mm-hmm. they had understanding and compassion that they began being more interactive, more engaged, not only with us, but with all the children who were, we had a larger group of children from four to, I would say 12, mm-hmm. and then a good handful of teenagers. Well, one thing I found about those children was that there was there was a certain innocence about them. Yes, <laughs> the yes. younger ones were just so eager to meet you and talk right. to you and learn right. from you. And even the teenagers, you know, they they were they weren't sullen into themselves. No, no. that they wanted to look your age at that time. You what, sixteen or sixteen years sixteen old. years old? They wanted to relate to you as a sixteen year old. Right, right, and it was perfect that way. I mean, we uh, did all sorts of playing games and we put on a show with them on one of our last days there a recital for pretty much the town was invited Mm -hmm. and uh, it turned out to be a good crowd and they were anything they wanted to do they attempted to do with the best they knew how to but one thing music was never in short supply (laughs) no we practice every day that was enough we would have music sessions with them And I only knew a little bit of ragtime, <laughs> so I played a little bit of Scott Joplin at their local at the piano in the church yeah. hall, and they they just taken up by that. Uh-huh. But they and again they would sit with us and we would just go through chords or mm-hmm. we would just sing and we had incredible beautiful singers, um, Vika mm-hmm. and uh, her sister and two other girls. They would just we were all paused when they started singing. And they all harmonized beautifully together. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had so many natural talents. Mm-hmm. They were really great gifts. And it was, you just wish you could take them back to a university or mm-hmm. to where they could focus on that and flourish in that because the opportunities there were so limited, mm-hmm. specifically for the women. I mean, most of them had an understanding, okay, we'll be mothers one day and <laughs> that'll be the life. But so many had other gifts that they could have been educators and they could have been real people of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. in their communities if they had the opportunity. And that, that was another moment of appreciation for 
again, what we had here to where we can do anything with our lives. And in Ukraine, mm-hmm. it was so limited between going to Russia and Ukraine and um, Belarus and, some, and Hungary as well. But getting a citizenship for, in Hungary for the one uh, Lena, mm-hmm. it made such a difference for her and mm-hmm. inspired many other young people to try and attempt that, but not to even some great success because the government would block them from allowing them to leave Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Right. It's an unfair world. It is very unfair, um, yes. And you have some most beautiful attitudes among these people that are oppressed, you might say, or yes. live in difficult economic conditions or no yes. opportunities. Right. And then you throw in a war on top of it, and then you throw in Chernobyl on top of it. I mean, that country has suffered so much. Yes, it has. And, and I just thank God every day for being able to be here and do more for what's happening in Ukraine. They are incredibly resilient people when they came to Kiev as a Rus and they try to conform to Christianity by going down to the baptizing in the river. This is about 900, 900. And, but again, Russia has always, some, for some reason, tried to throw them into backward society and oppress them. And they've been fighting for themselves the whole time. They, Russia is always known as the bear, the aggressor. Mm-hmm. But Ukraine's the fox. It's, mm-hmm. Ukrainians are incredibly shrewd and intelligent and know how to sustain themselves in the worst of conditions like no other people I've seen interacted with in my travels, which have been li- very limited globally. But in the time I was there in the two weeks in the summer of 2013, we, in that moment, 2013 was a, there was a time of peace compared mm-hmm. to what's going on now, especially the year after in 2014, when Crimea was first invaded by the Russians. That was the first act of transgression by Putin mm-hmm. that the, lo- the world allowed to happen. What I've just read about is Crimea is warm waters. Russia has no warm water ports or any, again, all the rivers go backwards in Siberia. <laughs> and no one wants to go to Siberia. But Crimea is such a critical spot in accessing to the rest of Europe. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's been a hard fought by Peter the Great and so many, it's by the Turks. It's very soft after land. And without it, Russia can't, has, has no naval support at all. No, that's uh, part of the trauma of that nation, yes. which has not, which has turned them to be aggressive in seeking warm water port land. So what they would do is invade. Right. One of the first areas they invaded was uh, Sweden, you know, and, and carved out where Leningrad or Saint Petersburg yes. is today. That was all part of Sweden, which controlled wow. the Baltic pretty much, the Scandinavian countries, Germany, and or what what is now Germany, you know, controlled. The, the Baltic countries, but the Russians were kind of stuffed in a cave, you know, behind them. They were a huge country, the largest country in the world, several times over, mm-hmm. the, bigger than China, bigger than the U.S. as far as geographically. Right. But look at the U.S., two oceans, you know, rivers, yes. ports, just absolutely blessed perfect, beyond measure. blessed beyond measure. Right. And the Russians had only one port in the time of Peter the Great, which is called Arkhangelsk, and in the area of Murmansk up there on the in in the Arctic Ocean, and it was only open for part of the year because of ice being jammed, and so the frustration of the Russians, you know, in trying to take in land, and that has caused them to be the way they have ravage and pillaging, and just taking it. Yes, yes. You, know, you lust, and you covet. You covet, but you have not because you don't ask God. You know, you ask God for something. And he'll, he'll, he'll find a way to bless you with it. But by just forcibly taking it from somebody else, you're going to be cursed. And that has caused 
the curse upon the Russians even now in their war with Ukraine. They're suffering heavy losses, heavy right. losses. Right. And right now we're sort of on the verge of having several new large-scale battles in the East, and I'm just praying that God will stop them in the same way that they were stopped at Kiev and Chernihiv and Sumy and you know other places. Post leaving Ukraine, I had the experience of 2014. I think it was in that month of Crimea getting invaded. I was a high school student. I had gone to a leadership symposium uh, by that was sponsored by our Indiana's senior senator, Richard Luger, who was the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee and was involved in all foreign politics for 36 years of his time in the Senate. And he, this was one of his last symposiums that he was having with students. And this was within Crimea getting invaded. And we had a Q&A session after he gave a lecture about how significant this was and how it would change the world. And my pertinent question, well, how much damage and destruction will be brought unto these people? And he said, this is, will forever change your lives. And not, it will not affect mine as nearly as devastating as yours will. And the whole global structure will change from it. And it's eight years, 10 years later now, he is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Well, it certainly has. You've seen it in your growing up from age 16 now through your age right now. Going on 25. 25 years old. And Winston, yeah. we have really thoroughly appreciated you, appreciated your outlook, appreciated your seriousness towards these bigger questions of geopolitics, but also of faith and religion. We have really appreciated you. Well, thank you for doing all that you do around the world to help these people who are suffering more than we ever knew we were. I mean, you ever knew what we could imagine here in the United States. And it's been a humbling opportunity to help people and build bridges with people that we may have never, never otherwise known. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Inside United. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it on social media to tell your friends about us. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. We post new episodes every Thursday. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments and questions to podcast at ucg.org. Have a great week. Come back soon for more. This is a production of the United Church of God. For more, visit ucg.org.